Hi everyone and welcome to the podium. This is the place where we celebrate the best from the world of motorsport. My name is Jason Skylas and we've got yet another huge edition of our show to bring you. This time around we're going to be speaking with supercars driver Todd Hazelwood. And Todd's going to be joining us to talk about his supercar season so far. Those impressive performances that he put in at the Townsville race weekends. And the ever-changing supercars calendar. It's just been updated once again and now we've got a very extended break until the next round of the championship at Winton. So Todd's going to be talking about what he's planning on doing up until the next round of the championship. And a little later on, we're going to be joined with one of the up-and-coming talents to watch out for in Australian motorsport. His name's Nathan Hearn. He's competed in a fair few categories over the past few seasons, most notably the National Trans Am Series, and he's been part of the GRM family most recently, and he's going to be talking about what it's been like working within the GRM organisation and some of the things that he's planning on doing in the future. So it's a huge addition to the show. Before we get started, if you've missed any previous editions of the podium, head over to your favourite podcasting platform. It's probably where you're listening to this podcast. And you can get up to speed there. Right after this, we're going to get things started with Todd Hazelwood on the podium. This is the podium where we celebrate the best from the world of motorsport. And we're joined right now with one of the drivers from BJR in the Supercars Championship. He's currently down in Bundaberg. It is, of course, Todd Hazelwood. Todd, thanks so much for joining us again on the podium. Uh, likewise, thanks for having me on once again and uh, look forward to having a chat and, and catching up since we last spoke. For sure, for sure. Well, lots has happened. So I think we had you on, it probably was around a year ago. I think you had a really strong run at Sydney Motorsport Park and we had you on to talk about that. A lot's happened since then in the world. Uh, you know, we had the championship wrap-up at Bathurst in 2020. It started off in 2021 at Bathurst. Let's begin there. What was it like for you starting the championship at Bathurst? Look, it was very weird for many reasons. Obviously, you know, we normally go to Bathurst for that one time. Um, you know, it's a special occasion of the year in October. So to do that the first round of the year, plus not being at the Adelaide 500, which is you know, obviously so renowned as being a season opener for supercars, it was it was strange. Um, and obviously a bit of a sore spot for me, not racing at my home, you know, which was one of my favourite events, the Adelaide 500. It's the best way to normally kick off the year and yeah, it was a bit sad, a bit weird, but, um, you know, you never complain about doing actual laps at Bathurst, am I right? It's uh, amazing um, driving a supercar around there. And, yeah, for us, it all sort of started off not too bad. And, yeah, ever since uh, the years kicked off, it's, it's certainly been up and down like a yo-yo, that's for sure, um, and trying to manage all the emotions. But, you know, hopefully we can get back on track and we can finish our, you know, 2021 season off nicely. Definitely, definitely. Before we talk about some of those performances and the ever-changing supercars calendar, I want to ask, what did you manage to do during your downtime between the end of season 2020 and the beginning of season 2021? Well, it's a good question, actually, because um, I certainly made the most of the opportunity having a couple extra months off in between events. And, um, yeah, when, when uh, December hit, I basically had no, no commitments left for the rest of the year. And um, Brad said, look, I don't really need you for anything. So... I've been promising my girlfriend would do a, a decent road trip in the Ute one day, and we did exactly that. So I packed up the back of the Ranger, and we uh, we went camping halfway around the country. So <laughs> ended up going all the way up to north of Queensland, all across to Darwin, and then we uh, ended up in Adelaide for Christmas. Uh, you know, so we arrived in Adelaide just a couple of days before Christmas Day. So yeah, I think we did uh, ten thousand kilometres in, in about um, twenty days or something. So. 
it was a, it was an awesome trip and made the most of my time off. But obviously, uh, yeah, getting ready, you know, making sure I was back in shape before another big season of supercars kicked off. Most definitely. Let's talk about some of that on-track action now. Now, unfortunately, up until Townsville, it hadn't been the best of seasons so far for you. Like The race pace had been there. However, the consistency overall to get a, a race result, unfortunately, yeah, was, wasn't was wasn't there earlier on in the championship. Yeah, correct. It's, you know, to be honest, I'm not going to lie, it's been a really frustrating year for me personally. Just having, you know, our biggest issue really has just been our qualifying performances and our rate and our qualifying speed in general you know trying to get the tire to switch on for that one particular lap it's been a real challenge for the engineering group and myself to unlock that and um yeah it's only really you know we've we've shown that we've had a fast race car almost at i think probably 80 percent of the events and you know we i think my engineer tony just before we actually went to council you know 80 percent of the races we've had top five or top eight race pace but we've only had two top 10 race results so that you know when you look at that and review you know, it keeps it keeps you in a positive frame of mind, knowing that if you get qualifying right, we're in a in a, in a we're in a really good position. But at the same time, you you kind of look back just knowing how good you could be if you could just get that single element right. And you know, it's incredibly frustrating when you're not getting it right week in week out. And um, you know, we, we had that magical stat of passing more cars than any other driver in the field from pretty much all all season. That's just purely down to you know our performances and qualifying not being good enough. So. Look, Council was great. I felt like probably from our Winton test day leading into Darwin, we, we certainly found a few little things that were helping our cars come alive. Uh, I think Darwin was probably a step in the right direction, but we had a horror weekend there getting caught up in that lap one melee crash and that sort of put us on the back foot for Sunday and got a penalty. And <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the Sunday probably didn't highlight the progress we've made behind the scenes. So to finally show that at Townsville really put, you know, really stamp our authority on trying to make a comeback hopefully that's a trend for the remainder of this season most definitely well what else would you attribute that you know huge swing in performance at townsville down to oh look i think it's just all coming together you know as i said you know we've, we've been working really hard all year and trying to get this one lap speed to come to life and you know it wasn't perfect at Townsville. it's not like we we're sitting on the front row every race and we were i think our, our genuine qualifying pace was probably just at the back half of the tent um, you know, obviously we, we got, I, I feel not lucky, but I felt like we executed our qualifying shootout lap um, on the first round of Townsville really well um, on that old tyre. And that sort of probably, you know, promoted us to third and it looked really good on paper. But, you know, I think our genuine qualifying speed probably just towards back out of the tent. Um, so, yeah, I think just trying to make the most of what we had at Townsville, was, you know, that showed. Um, but we still got some work to do. But, you know, the, I think... As a as a group, we're you know we're working really hard behind the scenes. I can't thank the whole crew at BJR enough because they work day and night and trying to extract the most out of these cars. And in particular, my, my engineer Tony, he's he put a lot of effort in and and continues to do so to to ensure that we keep moving forward and and we keep trying to take it to the best in the field. Well, yeah. Well, Townsville's a track where you've had a pretty impressive record. What is it about that track that makes you so so strong there? <laughs> I really don't know, and it, it frustrates the hell out of me that. You know, I go to that track and all of a sudden our, our form turns around and then it seems to be a bit of a trend for the remainder of the year. So, um, you know, people always say it's a driver's track and you really got to be aggressive and be comfortable with the walls and the curbs and stuff. So for whether or not, um, you know, hearing what other drivers struggle about around Townsville, for me, it doesn't really seem like much of an issue at all. I feel, feel really comfortable at, and at one at the car. I feel like I can really um, maximise my braking um, you know, strength that I think I, that I can 
produced in a supercar, I always feel like I'm braking late and, and attacking the entry and, and getting over the curbs nicely. And, and if I have a car, if I don't have the perfect car, I can sort of manipulate the way the car handles with curbs and things like that. But you know, that being said, you still need a, a fast race car to do the job. And I don't know, sometimes you, you go to tracks and you just know exactly what you need from a car to be fast. And you know, I think over the years at Townsville, I've certainly learned what makes a slow race car, but more importantly, what makes a car come alive around a circuit like there. So, yeah, I think it's a combination of things. And, um, you know, when you've got confidence on your side, it's just amazing what it can do for you as well. Yeah, most definitely. Well, before we talk about the supercars calendar and all the stuff that's been unfolding in Sydney and New South Wales, there's been a lot of other stuff happening as well in the sport, especially around Gen 3 and uh, looking like getting launched midway through next season. What do you think about that and how are things going down there at BJR? Look, from a Gen 3 point of view, I don't really know enough information to probably say too much, but yeah, obviously <laughs> it's a, a pretty huge step in, in the in the sports history and, you know, you know, from my point of view, I just hope that all the all the right uh, choices are made to try and make the sport cheaper, more achievable for, for other teams, potentially to try and get in the sport, whether that be from Super 2 or vice versa, um, and, and try and make the sport more sustainable. I think from my point of view, that's what I'd like to see the championship become, you know, being part of the, the Super 2 program and, and then trying to forge a team together um, to step up to the main supercars championship, it's one hell of a commitment. Um, and there's a lot of challenges involved, in, and particularly in this day and age, with the way that sponsorship and, and the commercial world works. And today, you know, I feel like our sport has just, we've evolved out past that window, what's, what's realistic in, in today's market. So we need to bring our parameters back and get everything back in line to what the sport should be. And you know, I, I truly believe that it, A, most importantly, it needs to be entertaining and and spectacular to our fans because you know I, I know it's cliche to say but you know we without fans we don't have a sport and you, you look at all the biggest sports in the country and around the world they all look after their fans well and they have something that they they can be engaged with and follow and get excited about so we need to create some excitement to get into our sport and then you know the way that we can grow our sport is putting more money into showcasing what we do as opposed to just spending heaps and heaps of money on development and parts that may not be necessarily to the, you know, the people watching at home. You know, what's the difference? You know, why have a $130,000 five-litre pushrod V8 motor in, in 2021? You know, like I, that sort of stuff's just, it blows my mind that that's still in the category today. So, yeah, look, there's a lot of things that probably need to be looked at and changed. And, yeah, unfortunately, from my point of view, I'm, I'm just a driver. It's well and truly out of my reach and as far as making changes. But, you know, hope, hopefully with this opportunity and a big reset, hopefully they can get some of those key things right. And, you know, you know obviously from my point of view, it, it can be scary when there's, when there's change because when you're a driver, that's your livelihood. And obviously you want to see the sport um, flourishing and be successful because when you're part of that, that's your livelihood. And that's what you work towards every day of the week. It's like, you know, being in a job and waiting for your whole your whole workplace would be rebranded and changed and you don't know if you're going to be part of that restructure or not, I suppose. That's, that's sort of where I sit at the moment and, yeah, fingers crossed it all comes to life and we can hit all the hit all the deadlines that's put in place. Yeah, well, 2020, all the issues with the pandemic, you know, led to a lot of cu- cost-cutting in the sport and one of the ones that I think has been difficult for a lot of the fans to take is this whole cutting down of the endurance rounds of the championship, you know, like we used to have a lot of well-established enduros and then this year we've pretty much only got Bathurst. What do you think about enduros for the future? 
Oh, look, it, it needs to come back. You know, I'm very much a traditional sort of person. So, you know, I think, you know, ideally, you know, I don't know how long we're going to be racing at Sandown for, but, you know, while we can, why not bring the Sandown 500 back, make it a, a pre-event before Bathurst. Um, you know, from my point of view, it makes sense. It's worked famously in years gone by. Apart from it always probably being wet at that time of the year, that's probably the only downfall racing at Sandown. Um, you know, and, and it gives gives these poor co-drivers an opportunity to get in the car and get comfortable before heading to the toughest track of the season. And, um, you know, for most of these guys at the moment, it's the one time of the year they're actually driving something, particularly with the challenges of, of COVID and the lockdowns and all the things that are going on in this crazy world that we're currently living in. So, um, yeah, hey, hopefully it comes back in the future. But obviously, you know, with the, the revised calendar for the remainder of this year, you know, obviously it's only Bathurst and, as a sport, we're just trying to do whatever we can just to go racing and put on a, sh- a show for the fans at home because, yeah, obviously, at the moment, times are tough and we're, yeah, it doesn't matter what business you're in, it, it, there's complications and there's struggles and, yeah, we're all just trying to do our bit. Yeah, well, one of the things that we get asked about quite a lot is, you know, we have, like, junior carters and that that have listened to the show and everything and one of the ones that they'd like to know from drivers, and I think you're great at doing this, especially early on in your career, what advice would you give to them about trying to get involved in the sport? Because obviously, you know, there's a lot of things involved in getting involved in motorsport compared to, say, footy or, or another sport. You know, there's a lot of money involved. You need to get sponsorship. How did you go about that in, in the early days of your career? And what advice would you give to young kids karting now? Yeah, look, it's a great question. And it's something I get asked frequently. Um, I just had a third 86 driver email me asking me, you know, how do I get sponsors and what, where do I start and what do I do? And there's a lot of, um, I suppose, unheard of knowledge that you need to, to be successful in this motorsport industry. You know, at the end of the day, the, I probably, when I was young, I probably got a harsh reality check of what's actually involved to be successful in motorsport. And that doesn't matter how much talent you've won or, or got up your sleeve or how many karting state titles that you've won that you think that's just going to propel your c- career into something incredible. Um, you know, you really got to set yourself up like a business, to be honest, um, and got to have a business mind to achieve it in, in motorsport. And, and that starts at a young age, and it's, you know, it's hard to put those elements in place when you're, you know, you might only be 14, 15 years old or, or even younger, um, and trying to comprehend that when you're still at school, there's still so many things that you don't know and you need to learn all at once. Um, and that's something that I probably, you know, got involved with really early in my career, you know, since in my last couple of, last couple of years of uh, go karting, you know, we started fundraising. How do we try and achieve sponsorship? You know, you start door knocking, and you know, there's a lot of people that can that can try and help you, but you need to go out there yourself, out there yourself, to, and show to businesses and brands that you are keen, you are committed, and you're going to do whatever it takes to try and make your dreams come true. But it's yeah, it's that fine line between working out how do I tell sponsors and brands and people that you, you need to get involved to help obviously support your career and as we all know sponsorship's a dirty word in our sport because there's you know there's so many drivers over the years that are talented but don't have the money but then there's drivers that have talent have no money but then somehow work out how to make that money get get into their back pockets and then they can go racing there's a, there's a lot of ways and it just comes down to how committed you are the more you want it you know anything's achievable and I feel like we're pretty lucky here in Australia in particular, where we can put our minds to something and we can dedicate the, the time and effort towards it, then, you know, the world's your oyster, really. Uh, and that's something that I suppose, you know, I was pretty lucky that I had a very supportive family, you know, not not financially well off. You know, it was more just 
committed. You know, where I have my sister, my mum, and my dad all working their backsides off for me personally. It was, um, you know, a big commitment. Um, but you know, that's what helped make it all happen. You know, it it doesn't doesn't happen overnight. It takes years and years of hard work and sacrifice to to even get close. And that's the unfortunate thing, particularly in motorsport. It doesn't doesn't matter how hard you work. Sometimes there's no guarantees, and that's the scary reality of the sport. But um, you know, you you just got to have your mind on a goal and, and just fully commit to it because you, you never know when your chance might come and you just need to be ready for it. There we go. Some awesome words of advice here. Now, talking back about the calendar, uh, for anyone that's missed it, let's quickly bring you up to speed. So the championship will next be heading to Winton in around eight weeks' time. So a long layoff. After that, there's a TBA, which is expected to be Phillip Island, pending on all the coronavirus going on at that point in time. Then we finally head to Bathurst in November, Sydney Super Night, and then the final round of the championship in early December at the Gold Coast. Now tell me, Todd, what have you made about this updated calendar? Yeah, well, let's hope we can make it happen, right? Now, obviously, it's a long way, um, or a long, long, long break in between races for us as drivers. And you know, for me, it's almost frustrating because I've just come off my best round of the year. I'd love to use that momentum that I've now currently got on my side into the next event. So for me, I'd love to race next weekend and <laughs> try and use that format we've got. So now to, you know, I'll probably be out of the car nearly 10 weeks between events, which is a hell of a long time. Um, so, you know, you kind of feel like as a, as a driver, you almost hit the reset button and start again. So, um, you know, I'll be just trying to do whatever I can to stay sharp, stay fit. Um, I'm pretty fortunate I've got access to a cart up here that I'm, I'm utilising. So I'll try and find a few cart race meetings in between and do some testing and try and keep the mind occupied. But yeah, look, it's, hey, hopefully we can just get it in. You know, obviously, the, you know, currently in Australia, we're faced with some serious challenges with COVID-19 and, you know, half the country still being in lockdown. And, you know, there's millions of people stuck at home, in, in, you know, with the doors shut, basically, and nowhere to go. So it's, um, you know, if we can go racing, we can, we can achieve the... The plans that's put in place, and I think that's a good effort because, yeah, obviously there's there's bigger problems in in the in the world and in our country in particular at the moment. We need to be conscious of that. So, um, yeah, I feel grateful that we've been able to get the racing in that we've done this year, and we've had fans at, at most of the events that we've done. So, you know, hopefully that's the case at the end of this year, and we can still put on a show for everyone watching at home. Yeah, well, you mentioned there getting to get some time in a cart again. We've seen a lot of supercar drivers, you know, competing in other categories as well as competing in the Supercars Championship, Australian GT and a few of the other series. Have you ever considered doing that? I'd certainly love to. Look, if uh, if there's any GT drivers that have got their hand up and want a co-driver to, to steer <laughs> along with them, I'd love to. Um, I really enjoyed my time driving an Audi GT3 car in the Bathurst 12-hour a couple of years ago and we had some pretty cool success, so... Look, I'd love to love to do um, some more stuff like that. You know, from my point of view, anytime I've got my backside in a race car, it's a good day. And um, you know, hence why I um, you know teamed up with the guys at CIG Australia and got a car, um, just because you know we, especially with the unpredictability of the championship at the moment and and the big breaks that we have between events, you know, I really feel like I need need to get get into something. You know, I'm 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 a racer at heart, and I want to just be doing laps. And you know, the go kart's cool because it's very raw, very pure. I can pull the thing, pull the thing apart at home, and it's sort of my hot rod that I get to play with. I suppose I, I polish it, polish everything up, and make sure everything's picking spam ready to go. So that keeps me sort of occupied behind the scenes. But 
Um, yeah, the karting's been good, and you know, especially with this break now, I've already looked at doing a couple more race meetings, just club day stuff, but um, you know, stuff that you know, it's still relevant. You're still doing race starts, you're still managing tire pressures and and cart setups, and all stuff that's relevant for the the real supercar. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that. Should be a bit of fun. Have you ever considered going overseas as well and doing some stuff there? I'd love to. Yeah, look, it's um, an opportunity that's never arrived for me, to be honest. Um, you know, back in my open wheeler days in Formula Ford and Formula Three, that was certainly something that I was looking looking at trying to achieve um, at the time. But yeah, just the opportunities didn't line up, and we didn't have the funding at the time, which sort of directed us to go towards supercars and, and the Super Two Championship. So now, obviously, at the moment with the with the world we live with COVID, it, it the, the chances of racing overseas are probably a little bit trickier than normal, um, you know, particularly, you know, if you have two-week quarantine in between events and things like this. But hey, ho- ho- hopefully, in, in years to come, opportunities will arise and, you know, we can do something because I've, I've got a pretty big bucket list I'd love to fulfill one day. <laughs> Most definitely. And just before we finish, so, you know, five events to go in the championship if all things go as planned. <laughs> And a few tracks there. You've got Winton, the home test track for the team. Sydney Motorsport Park, a race where you got your first podium in the championship as well. And like I said, for closing out the season at the Gold Coast, tell us what are the expectations going into these final five events of the championship? Yeah, look, we're currently 14th in the championship at the moment and the points between probably 8th to to 20th are very close. So, you know, but when we went into this year, we set a goal of being... Or better in the championship, we thought that was realistic. Um, so, you know, from my point of view, not that there's much focus on the championship because they've still got to put a lot of focus into individual race results. But if we can be tenth or better by the end of the year, I'd be happy. I think that's job well done, um, and you know, we'll keep pushing on for next season. But um, yeah, look, as you said, plenty of positive stuff to come come into the remainder of the year. Winston being our, te- our home test track, I feel like um, we've got some rounds that the cars are going to be really strong at. So. Hopefully that's the case and, um, yeah, fingers crossed we can, most importantly, get the races in and, um, yeah, I'd love to finish the year off on a high Gold Coast. That'd be really cool. Most definitely. Well, yeah, look, it's been awesome to see you back up the pointy end of the grid at Townsville and hopefully some more strong runs to close out the championship season. Todd Hazelwood, thanks so much for joining us again on the podium. Always a pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me and uh, look forward to catching up again soon. Todd Hazelwood there joining us on the podium to talk about the Supercars Championship season so far and what he plans on doing with this very long break until the next round of the series at Winton. Right after this, we're joined with one of the up-and-coming talents to watch out for in Australian motorsport. It's Nathan Hearn. He's up next on the podium. This is the podium where we celebrate the best from the world of motorsport. And we're joined right now with one of the rising talents to watch out for in Australian motorsport. He's only 18. He's competing in the S5000 Championship and also the National Trans Am Series. It is, of course, Nathan Hearn. Nathan, thanks so much for joining us on the podium. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's uh, yeah, pretty cool to be on this podcast, so... Well, yeah, it's, it's great to have you on. Now, let's begin, you know, there might be a few listeners out there that, you know, I've heard the name, but they don't really know that much about you, Nathan Hearn. Talk about your passion for motorsport first off, and uh, where did this passion begin? Um, well, with 99% of people in motorsport uh, nowadays, sort of been generational, really. So my dad always raced, he raced Speedway for 25 years before any race go-karts. Um, 
And, you know, he came from real humble beginnings where you, you know, funded your own racing and um, state itself. So I think for, for blokes who, you know, fund their own racing and, and work their, their butts off to get into a seat and, and to drive, in general, the passion rules red hot. Um, and for me, you know, watching Dad and, and growing up with Dad, work on, on his Speedway race cars, the Outdoor Modified, uh, you know, pretty well every night when he's not driving a truck, it was um, pretty well born and bred into me to either go into cars or go into trucks. And, and for me, I took up cars. I've, I've always loved it. I pushed around me Hot Wheels, Smashbox cars um, from when I was about two years old. Um, got my first motorbike when I was four and started riding that around. And then ever since then, uh, just been, you know, in love with anything with the motor and wheels, really. So um, got into go-karts when I was six years old and ever since then been racing and never looked back, really. Were you watching many of the races as well as a kid? Yes and no. So I went to all the races. I always loved going to the races, but um, I was a bit of a real short attention span kid. I wasn't one to act up or anything like that, but I'd you know, watch one of Dad's races throughout two laps and go out the back and start pushing my matchbox cars around the dirt. <laughs> and the so, I don't know. I don't really remember much of his racing, which, which you know, looking back and it sucks a little bit. It would have been cool to, to be able to watch his racing. Uh, back then in, in the Speedway, they had video footage from some races, but not all of them. And, and the races I went to, um, I, they never had video footage. I can't really go back and, and re-watch it, especially at the end of his career. They sort of went through a phase where it was either on TV or it wasn't, and um, it wasn't filmed at all. And, and so I sort of missed out on the whole phase of, you know, the end phase of my dad's career. And, um, you know, there'll be blokes walking around in the in the Speedway Australia paddock nowadays who probably know more about my dad than what I can do. So it's... Um, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a weird one, but you know I wouldn't trade trade it for the world. I think um, I, I just you know had so much of a love for cars and I always just want to be in control of one. Um, it sort of just took over, really. Well, yeah. Well, you grew up, you grew up in Lismore, which is a small country town in New South Wales. For anyone that's not aware, now tell us, you know, you obviously had the dad's involvement with Speedway. When did you make that decision? Look, I want to pursue motorsport as a career, and what were the first steps that you took to get involved? Well, yeah, it, it all started really by chance. My whole career, you know, I'd say to everyone, was just by chance and really by luck um, that I'm even where I am today. And, and I feel the same for everyone, really. But um, Dad actually had an accident in 2008 where he broke his back. I uh, never meant to walk again and, and nearly killed him. Um, but at the end of the day, he survived. He started walking again. And, you know, I think it was only three months or four months after that crash, he decided to take it to a go-kart track to start off after motorsport. So I don't know if he was, you know, probably under the influence of some medication to make that rash decision, but um, no, look, it, it was it was cool. So we went to Lismore. Uh, they had a come and try day, and I was only, I think I was just about to turn six years old. I think it would have been July um, in 2009. Uh, uh, July 2008, sorry. Um, and I've done that day, and I was on the track by myself, and I wasn't allowed to go out with the uh, with my sisters or anyone else. I was I was only allowed to go by myself, and just fell in love with it. As soon as I've done it, I fell in love with it. And, and I was probably driving around about 10K an hour, but for me, I was the biggest adrenaline rush ever. And um, ever since then, you know, Dad's sort of been on me to, to keep disciplined. Um, I never really done many other sports since I was a kid. I tried soccer and, and a few different sports like that, but um, nothing really gave me the same same high as, as driving a go-kart or, or race car. So um, I gave up all them sports and, and really pursued it. So since I've been about nine years old, uh, racing's all I've done, and and you know, Dad, he uh, brought me up through paddock bashes and everything like that. So when I was six years old, uh, we got our first paddock basher, which is a manual home by Excel, um, and we started mucking around with that. And by seven, I could drive a manual pretty comfortably. Um, then we got an automatic 
from it all, V6. And um, so I'm mucking around with that in the paddock. And um, yeah, from there, Dad was just teaching me really speedway uh, tricks of the trade. So when I was about nine years old, I could turn the car into a slide and let go of the wheel and, and slide around the track just with my right foot. And, and that was probably the, the biggest skill I had when I was a kid was just throttle control. And, um, and you know, my whole career was always meant to go speedway uh, direction. I always loved speedway. I grew up in it. Um, and obviously paddock bashing, I used to do that every day after school. I'd get dropped off at the bus and leave my paddock bash down the bottom of the driveway and as soon as I got home from school, chuck my school bag in the back and, and go turn around the paddock and paddock basher. But um, yeah, always wanted to go speedway and then all this pitchman stuff sort of came out of the sky and, and started doing that and, and just fell into the traps with it, I guess. So it's, um, yeah, it's been pretty cool and, and, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, well, you mentioned the speedway there. What actually happened there to make you move into more of the... Uh tin tops and open wheeler direction? Well, it's, um, yeah, so Lismore Young Guns in 2016. Um, I was driving down as a bloke there who wanted to put his son in former Ford. Um, and we won that event and he actually came to us and, and talked to us about doing former Ford with him. Um, the deal was not probably the best deal, I guess you could say. Um, it was sort of just to fund his son's racing by our racing as well. So we would have been paying for two cars instead of just the one car. Um, and we actually got a call up from, from Shane Brown, who's Will Brown's dad. We, I grew up with Will and go-karts and, and we still got along really well with that family. Um, and Shane just said, oh, look, we're here trying to get the full forward, try out Brett Francis first and, um, and see where he takes you from there. And so we done test day with Brett. Then I drove the former four, I thought this thing was a, you know, most powerful car in the world and, and fell in love with it. Um, we've done that test day and then we said, oh, look, we'll come back for another test day. If I get within a, a benchmark lap time, then we'll try and race it. And next test day, I, I got within that, but also dropped about a second on it. And then after that, we um, decided we'll go racing. And, and the first round of the next year was a national series round. Our teammates at the time was uh, Harry Jones and um, Cameron Shields. So we've, we've rocked up and, and first ever former Ford race, I think it was my fourth ever day in the, in the car was at a national uh, stand down uh, former Ford event. And um, I couldn't get my, I couldn't actually practice or qualify with a former Ford because I was uh, doing my CAMS observed license testing. So my first session actually was in, it was in qualifying with the other cars and um, I came out, I think five minutes into the session because I just finished doing my test and just got signed off my license um, and managed to qualify eight on debut, which is pretty cool. And then finished the weekend fourth, tied on points for third. Um, and then, yeah, since then I've just sort of, you know, just been taking it as, as opportunities arise. And 2018 and 2018, we TO2 started coming to the picture and I really wanted to go to Super 2. We've done test with Brad Jones and um, always I had that red mist to all I want to do is race Super 2 and, and we just couldn't afford to do it. So we, we saw TO2 getting around and, one of my good mates, Dewey Jones, who was the media for both former Ford and TO2 at the time, or he still is for TO2. Um, he actually teed us up with Cameron Sendall and Peter Robinson, and, and we talked to them. And 2019, we took the punt and, and went TO2 racing. And ever since then, you know, obviously the GRM deals come of it. Um, me and Dad ran the car ourselves for that year, and then Dream Racing Australia picked us up in 2020. We done the Adelaide Street Circuit event, and and through that we met. Well, I met Barry and Gary uh, in, in 2019 at Newcastle and the Supercars. And, um, yeah, they kept an eye on me. And, and 2020 Adelaide race was probably the one that really made my career. Um, with the with the drive-child failure at the end of the first race, last lap, 
and then drove from last to third and second race, it, it you know, put me on Gary and Barry's radar. And, and ever since then, I've just, you know, to be honest, I've been kissing the ass of the ferry um, to, to have all the opportunities I've had so far. And, and to think that this whole Bitchman career was never meant to happen, it, it's a pretty cool thing to reflect on. Well, yeah, you mentioned there the tutelage from the Rogers family and, you know, your success in the TA2 muscle car series and whatnot and the National Trans Am series that it's known now. You've won a lot of races in these Trans Am cars. Tell me, what is it, what's the key to your success in this championship? Um, I think probably the bike like always, really. Um, they, they really suit a lot of different driving styles. I think if I went to a supercar uh, now, I'd, I'd wouldn't struggle, but I'd, I'd struggle to keep tyres underneath me. Um, right, tin tops are very different to drive. It's um, and especially these Trans Ams, they're not made to really uh, be a race car. They're, they're you know you put them beside a, a Dodge Challenger in real life, and and um, and you know they handle really good in straight line and, and take off down a straight line, but breaking a core, you know, they're not made for. So um, I think that's what's really made these cars so popular. You know, they move around and. And they give you all sorts of weird feelings. The drivers are really fighting to drive these things. H-button gearbox. It's, you know, you have to be on top of your game 24-7. And, and for me, I think, you know, I've, I've grown up, obviously, as I said before, you know, paddock bashing and, and driving on mud and, and cars that don't really like to handle very well. And I think that's really just what teed me up with these Trans Ams. Um, I think these Trans Ams, you, can, you do a lot of steering to your feet uh, rather than your hands. Um, in the supercar, the hardest thing for me to adjust when I've done GRM test day at Winton was get to full throttle, but stop the rear sliding by the steering wheel, which was, you know, completely backwards to how I drive these things. And these things, you, you know, you steer the wheel to where you want to go, then you use your right foot to control the rear end on, on how far it rotates. And it's, um, you know, these, these things are very much like a dirt car to drive. You know, you just, you, you use your right foot to steer it, you can use your left foot to get the weight over the front, and then it's just a, it's a cool, cool car to drive. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's the... I guess you could say the um, the wide range of driving styles you can have to drive them. You know, you got Aaron Seaton, who uh, I don't think I'm saying this wrong, but drives like a princess. You know, two fingers on the wheel, <laughs> nice and real. He's trying to move. Um, and then you see me ragging the thing from left and right, and and the car's never straight, and and we're creating the same amount of pace, really. So it's um, yeah, there's, there's so many different things you can do in these cars, and they just seem to put up with the abuse and 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 give you lap time as long as you know what you're doing. So it's um. Yeah, I think obviously the team is the biggest thing. Um, you got to be part of the right team, and and you know right now I'm, I'm here at Quarter Park working with with Cam Fisher from Dream Racing, and we're just you know trying to get this thing faster. Um, Aaron and Glenn have, have got their car cracking in qualifying, and, and that's what we're trying to find and unlock is the, is the qualifying pace. Um, but yeah, I mean you, with motorsport, you just got to be in the right team. You know, the team can make and break you, and I've been so lucky with with my career so far. You know, BF Racing, Brett Francis in, in Formula Ford is a really good team to be part of. Dream Racing, you know, they're also a very good team. Cam Fisher knows knows his stuff pretty well, I'd like to say that. But um, and obviously GRM, it's, it's you know one of the biggest teams. It's not in supercars. Well, it is the biggest team in Australia. It's not in supercars at the moment. So it's um, yeah, I've been I've been absolutely blessed with with the teams I've had, and and you know the driver gets all the praise, but at the end of the day, it's you know you can put Ed and Senna in a in a Williams F1 car at the moment, and he still wouldn't be able to get the top ten. So it's um. It's, it's, it, at the end of the day, it comes down to your teams and the people you've got around you, uh, more than more so than what the driver actually does themselves. Yeah, well, you've mentioned a, a fair few names there. Who did you look, look up to as a kid? Were there any drivers that you wanted to emulate growing up? Um, yes and no. I, I think probably 
obviously my dad was the biggest one. Um, he got seven Australian championships without the modifieds, and I always wanted to. He, he always told us, um, probably when I was about nine to ten, he always wanted to get that the ten championships was his goals with ten Australian championships, and my whole goal was to. I haven't actually said this to anyone, not even but my whole goal was to to get the the three Australian championships for the Hearn name to get to get them to ten. Uh, but obviously my career hasn't worked out to go to Speedway, so it's um yeah. I think you know my my whole goal was to sort of emulate what my dad done, um, be successful as him in in, in the Vado Modifieds. I've always loved the cars and I've always wanted to race them. Um, but yeah, as I said, my career's gone a different pathway. But in terms of you know who I like look up to probably even nowadays would probably be Gary uh, Rogers. Um, but yeah, and more or less just for the off track stuff. You know he was, he was a bloody good racer in his time, but. For a bloke, you know, he's, he's made himself a life. He's got plenty of horses. He's got plenty of time on his hands. He can just retire if he wanted to and live a lot less stressful life and, and just play with his horses all day and, and enjoy time with his family. But, you know, he decides and, and gives a, uh, he chooses to um, give young blokes like myself and, and Scott McLaughlin and, and Jimmy Goldie and everyone else a, a shot and, you know, give us a career, really. Um, without a bloke like Gary, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be, well, I would be racing still, but, you know, I might have another two, three years in the sport, and then I'll be done uh, and out of money. And um, yeah, I think you know, if I ever get to the to the position in life where I'm affluent enough to to do the same, uh, it's probably going to be my goal is is to you know bring some young blokes through who don't really have as as much bank to go racing as, as others. I think that's been a it's a real bittersweet you know story coming from somewhere where you don't have as much money as others. You know, we have to take the ultimate pathway, and at times that can be a real hard way to go about things but um, yeah I think you know it's, it's definitely a lot more rewarding when you do end up getting somewhere in, in, in the career and you know it's you get more of a high off of off of success when you work for it rather than if it just comes to you so it's um, yeah it's, it's definitely cool to, to be part of, of Gary and and, and his um, legacy I guess you could say um, but yeah I mean if, if I'm ever going to try and be like someone it'll probably be, be like Gary Rogers as well as my dad but, but mainly like Gary and, and given you know, young blokes who aren't directly related to me a, a shot of motorsport. Yeah, look, look, yeah, awesome, awesome words there from you, Nathan, and I'm sure plenty of motorsport drivers and fans completely relate to what you're saying there, and, you know, as you said, Gary Rogers, he's brought up a lot of talent over the years, Scotty McLaughlin, uh, you know, Garth Tander, Bargwana, Caruso, even gave Wing Cup a start early on in his career, and more recently, Dylan O'Keefe and James Golding there. Talk about 2020 for you, because, you know, it was quite an eventful year for everyone. However, for you, there must have been a roller coaster of emotions, because like you said, you impressed Gary Rogers with all your performances, and he wanted to reward you for those strong performances by putting you in his wildcard entry for Bathurst. Talk about that roller coaster of emotions and what happened there with the super licence issues. Yeah, so that was, um, 2020 was definitely a weird year. Uh, I mentioned before Adelaide and and how that, you know, I think it taught me a lot. Um, the biggest lesson it actually taught me was everything happens for a reason and uh, and just don't give up, really. I mean, the drive shaft was a, you know, at the start of the year, I, I was fuming and, you know, because mechanical DNS took me out of the 2019 championship. Um, and I was fuming at the start of the year like that. But, you know, without that drive shaft failure, I wouldn't have been on Gary's radar and I wouldn't be where I am today. And, and same even with COVID. COVID really gave, gave me my career. So we've done the eSports stuff. Um, I went pretty good in the, in the F3 race in Spain uh, against Oscar Piastri. I was the only one to keep up with him. 
I think we pulled like a 10 second gap in the rest of the field in, in the race and um, Barry and, and Gary were watching that and, and you know dad knew Barry through, um, through Volvo trucks and Barry actually gave dad a call and said oh look he's going to do an S5000 test he's obviously he's, he's going to ride in the open wheel on the simulator um, and he obviously drives a V8 so you just want to see how he goes in S5000 so we've done that and and then S5000 test day, I still remember for 95% of the day, it was just keep it on track and don't spin. For the last session, I knew it was just going to be winning a minute and, and I just gave it the biggest send I could in my life and, and got within five cents of Jimmy in, on my first day. So they saw that and they were you know, pretty happy with it. So um, I kept in contact with them and after that, we went to Townsville uh, for the supercars to support them in the tier two. We weren't actually going to do that um, originally, but you know, I convinced Dad we'll go up there and, and just race, just keep the seat time in it uh, during all the COVID stuff. So we went up there, uh, done that race. And actually talking to, to Barry after the whole super license thing happened, what what really happened was they were watching, well, every, every hand caught up Gary and, and Barry to do the wild card. And um, they were thinking who they're going to put in the car. And, and originally they were thinking, okay. Um, and then after that, they were watching the Townsville tin tops and, and me ragging the car around and we didn't do a setup in the car at all so the car was just loose and, and I was just having fun enjoying racing again and um, they saw the car just moving around and, and you know me lining up the rear tyres and leaving some black marks and some signatures all over the track and um, after that they were, they were happy with that and, and they wanted to put me in so I still remember the day I got sold, 2nd of September um, about the 1000 and you know I, I called in sick to work that day and I was vomiting all night that night and, and just like just hit me like a ton of bricks really and it's the biggest thing in my life um, that happened and then obviously the super license saga started um, and yeah I still remember you know the day I got told it was all off that was probably the hardest day of my life as well um, I still remember I went out for a drive for three hours after work sent off my phone and ended up in Nimbin <laughs> somehow so I was just driving around Nimbin for, for a while and trying to get back home and and, um, yeah, then go back home and, and, you know, talk to the family about it. And I think probably the biggest thing that got me through all that was, you know, all I want to do was lay in bed. Um, it's just the only thing that happened on the Friday um, when I got told that it wasn't going to happen. So the Saturday morning I woke up at about, you know, 12 o'clock, 12 p.m. Um, and I was just laying in bed, just staring at the ceiling and, and, you know, just gutted with life. And um, and Dad said, look, we're going to get the CO2 ready. We're going to go to Bathurst. So get off your ass and, and come give me a hand. So... It was hard on me, um, but I think that's what really got me through it all. Um, you know, I just I just didn't stop, and, and we went to Bathurst, and I had a really good weekend. I just felt really in tune with the car, and, and I think I proved to a lot of people that the super license thing was a bit of bollocks, and um, I, I deserved the seat. But, you know, as I said earlier in the podcast, uh, I, I'm a strong believer in everything happens for a reason nowadays, and I think that super license at the end of the day was probably a good thing for me. Uh, on top of reflection, I don't think I was very mature enough to do it, Gary and Barry obviously thought I was, and, and I've no doubt I probably would have, you know, gone all right in it. Um, but I definitely think right now I'm, I'm a lot more ready for, for something that big of that calibre, really. And um, I'm a lot more mature than, than what I would have been if I did get that drive. Um, I think if I got that drive, I would have, you know, let it get to my head a little bit and get a bit of an ego about me. Um, and that's the biggest killer of race car drivers and, and potential race car drivers is the, is the ego side of it. You know, they get one one good thing happened to them and, and uh, the ego kicks in. So I think that's, you know, for me with every step forward, I've had a setback and I think that's kept me grounded and, and I feel like that sort of helped me with the the whole career aspect of my racing, to be honest. Yeah, I've, I've 
kept working as hard as it is at the start of day one, and um, and I'm just you know taking everything, every opportunity I get is, is a blessing, and I'm not you know taking it for granted. Um, I think I took that Winston Test day in Supercar for granted. I was, I was you know uh, egoed up little. 18-year-old bloke who, who just got his first drive in the supercar and, and I was walking around with chest out and and um, yeah so I'm, I'm at the end of the day I'm glad it didn't happen and it's um it's propelled me into the S5000 Trans Am um, series obviously that I had this year um, and you know doing two categories in one weekend it's definitely been hard but it's just fast track my, my progress my learning and um, yeah it's 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 been you know at, at the time I thought it was the end of my end of my life and end of my career but um, yeah, you know, upon reflection, it was just a minor speed bump in, in the road, and um, you know, it's it's led to uh, you know a, a career where I have you know a number of different options where I can go either left or right here. So it's um, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool thing, I guess, to, to reflect on. Yeah, and that's an excellent outlook to have on it. You know, like like you said, when it comes to dealing with those setbacks and bouncing back from them, and it's been working with you as well this year. Like like we've said, you linked up with GRM. At the moment, you've got the S5000 program that you completed and the Trans Am series stuff as well. Tell us, are you thinking much further down the track at the moment or are you just stuck in the moment? That's a hard one. Um, yeah, because obviously, you know, you need a plan on, on what you're going to do. Um, you need a plan ahead so that you can, you know, control your present. And um, it's, you know, at the end of the day, motorsport's just a business. Um, and that's how you got to run it. You know, you, you run yourself as a driver, as a, as a business and a small business starting up. Um, you got to keep all your sponsor relationships and everything like that. So, and sponsors, they don't want someone who's just taking each day as it comes. Um, you know, as Vin Diesel says, quarter mile time, they don't want that. They want to see where their money's going to and, and what it can lead into. So it's um, it's a hard one um, because as I've found out, the hard way a few times, you never know what's going to happen. You know, tomorrow I might get a call up to go race a NASCAR or some, some stupid like that and you just got to be ready for it. So I think for me, the biggest thing I've learned is, is with this obviously COVID coming back in and, and cancelling all the racing, I've, I've taken two months of, of just training every day and eating right and, and trying to get as fit as possible and, and managing the sponsors as much as possible and sort of just got to take every opportunity you get to, to do something that's going to help the racing. Um, I moved to Melbourne um, probably three weeks ago now. Uh, and it was only meant to be for three months, but I've, I've, I've just got word off, off Gary and Barry that, you know, they want me to stay down for a little bit longer and, and just work with the team. So I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take them up on that offer and um, and just learn as much as I can. I think for me, I don't just want to, you know, make it into supercars or NASCAR or IndyCar or whatever I end up in in my career or GTs or anything. I don't just want to end up there. I want to be, you know, someone who leaves a legacy behind and, and someone who, you know, makes a, makes a name for myself. I don't want to just be a, a mediocre driver who's, who's just making up numbers. So... At the end of the day, the only way you can do that is, is work hard now. And, and you know, if you, if you have to work and, and go to the gym the week before a race, I mean, you obviously haven't trained hard enough in the lead up to it. So it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, for me, I'm just trying to keep as busy as possible with racing. I know I've got one shot, I'm 18. I'm still pretty young, um, but time is running out. You know, I'm turning 19 in a month's time, so I've got to really start to, to pull my finger out and, and get, me, get my life sorted. But for me, Gary and Barry, um, you know, they've got a plan. Um, and, and I think the biggest thing I've learned is just sit down, shut up, listen to Gary, listen to Barry, um, and just enjoy the ride whilst I'm on it. You know, because it could all end tomorrow or it could go into for the next 10 years. So I've just got to, you know, take it as it comes and see what happens. But, um, yeah, for me, I've just got to 
trust in them guys and, and, and trust that they won't lead me astray. And I really don't think they will, judging by their previous history. Yeah, most definitely. And like you said, it's still early days, only a few weeks that you've settled into Victoria. What has it been like working in the workshop? Because, you know, it's quite a unique experience and this team obviously has done it with plenty of drivers over the years. How has it been so far? It's been awesome. Um, you know, all the GRM mechanics there, they're not there to, um, you know, because they want to be living in a million-dollar mansion in the Gold Coast or anything like that. They're there to enjoy racing and because they love it, they have the passion for it. So it's, it's easy to be mucking around with like-minded people, I think you could say. And, um, you know, they're, they're there to help me. And I think they really do appreciate um, when they – sorry. Uh, they do appreciate when a driver does actually come into the workshop and, and tries to learn. Um you know, Marcus Ambrose obviously is just signed, well, signed up for them and, and working for them now. So he's also a, a pot of gold I've been dipping into to try and get some knowledge out of him. We're still competitors, though, in the, in the Trans Am series. So he's, he's not letting me get over the, the Moffat Mustang or, or the Kelly Mustang at all yet. But um, <laughs> I'll keep working on it and hopefully break down that barrier to, you know, try and transfer some stuff into my car. But, um, no, look, it's, it's been awesome. And, and just trying to take in and, and be sponge, really. I'm, I'm sort of, you know, studying an hour every night just to make sure that, you know, I'm learning at the fastest rate possible. Um, I know, yeah, as I said earlier, you know, it might even be tomorrow I get a call up to go back home and then I have to go back home with something stupid like that. So I think I'm just going to maximise my time and, and that's the biggest thing I've learned is just maximise the time and, and, you know, make sure I'm ahead of the ahead of the curve at all times. Um, yeah. And, yeah, with GRM, they've obviously got some of the best facilities in, in Australian motorsport and I'd be, I'd be mad not to, to use the opportunity I have. Yeah, well, you kind of mentioned it there with Marcus Ambrose coming on, coming on board with the team over the past few months. You mentioned NASCAR a few times as maybe a potential avenue for you in the future. What has Marcus had to say to you about that? Because, you know, he went later on in his career and had a lot of success for an Australian competing in NASCAR for the machinery that he was in. What has he had to say about that to you if you wanted to go over and do NASCAR? I haven't really had that chat with him yet. Um, I'm a big believer in, you know, you just got to wait for the right time and, and walk before you, uh, crawl before you walk. Um, the reason I've mentioned NASCAR is obviously I've, I've grown up watching it. I haven't said it yet. I haven't said it in front of him, but, you know, I grew up watching markets and still remember getting ready before school every day and sure you'd be watching the, the NASCAR on the TV and, and I'll come in and watch it with him after I was getting ready for school. So it was, um, yeah, it was pretty cool to, um, to obviously, you know, work with Marcus, but at the end of the day, he's, he's just a human. So I've, um, yeah, it's a cool bloke to, to obviously, you know, take some knowledge off of. And I will definitely have a chat to him and, and see how uh, achievable the NASCAR route is, I guess you could say. Um, you know, as I said, I barely have enough money to go to supercars uh, if I wanted to. So I don't think NASCAR is much cheaper either. So it's, um, yeah, it'll be a hard one to, to make it anywhere. Um, I know for a fact my career is still very young and, and I definitely haven't uh, probably made it um, – as such, where I can start to relax. So I, I'm at the point now where it's either make or break in the next year or two years. Um, so I've just got to, you know, show to Gary Barry and, and to Marcus I'm, I'm dedicated and I'm ready to go. And, and you know, I, I won't stop in, until I get some results, I guess. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, Marcus has been cool. He's he's, for, he's probably one of the most uh, complete drivers I've, I've met. Um, you know, he, he just has such a mechanical knowledge and, and engineering knowledge as well and and he's sort of a, a whole kit and caboodle and, and talking to Marcus he wants me to, to sort of be a mini him in a way um, and you know get to know Fab and fabrication and 
competitions and um, working on the floor on both S5000 and Trans Ams and PCRs and then also doing engineering as well. So I've got to really, you know, pull my finger out, knuckle down and, and do some hard study. Um, you know, I didn't go to uni just for that reason, uh, for that reason, not to study. I, I'm not really a, a book bookworm by any means of imagination, but, um, you know, for racing, I'll, I'll make some sacrifices and, um, yeah, yeah, I, I want to try and mark, use Marcus as a bit of a benchmark for myself to try and get to his level of knowledge when he's, was he, he'd be 50-something years old now, but, um, yeah, you know, I'll try and get 50 years worth of knowledge into my brain in, in the next however long I'm down here in Melbourne and working with him for, so it's, um, I've set myself some pretty high standards, but um, I'd rather set really high goals and, and just come short, up, come up short of them, than just set some mediocre goals and achieve them. So, um, yeah, I think um, you know, with Marcus there, uh, definitely NASCAR's not out of the picture. Um, he's going to the states. You know, if it ends up IndyCar or even just in the speedway form, or or you know, I've got every pathway is open really for me, and um, I think I've proven to the people um, I'm a universal driver. Uh, obviously, the S5000, I didn't end up getting a win this year, um, but I was very close on a couple of occasions. So, um, and obviously, the Trans Am has been going pretty good as well. So, I think the biggest thing for me is winning the Trans Am Championship. Um, if I come back to S5000, win the S5000 Championship, um, and just, yeah, I don't know, just, I just got to get, get some wins on the boards, um, get some results, and, and show people I'm working hard and, and you know, ready to take it to the next step. And, and you know, nine times out of ten should happen. And, um, yeah, you know, I want to be sitting on the porch in 10 years' time. If, I've, if I haven't made it, at least uh, had a crack rather than just sitting on the porch and, and say, you know, I could have been this and, and could have been that. You know, I didn't give it a crack. So it's, um, yeah, I think I've, I've been thinking a lot down the track um, rather than just focusing on what's happening at the moment and, and you know, just, just trying to find myself out of racing, really, and, and you know, do it till, till burnout is, is probably the, the goal. That's awesome. Now, I've got to ask you this, so... Over the recent months, we've had a lot of announcements in supercar land around wildcards for Bathurst. So the first one that surprised many was Russell Ingle teaming up with Brock Feeney. Then we had Greg Murphy teaming up with Richie Stanaway. And jokingly, we had uh, Aaron Seaton and Larry Perkins on and said that they should get together and link up in a Castrol entry. Now, I have to ask yeah. you, because you've talked about Marcus Ambrose. He's on the books here at GRM. Has there been any conversation at all with Gary Rogers trying to get a wildcard entry for this year at Bathurst with Nathan Hearn and Marcus Ambrose. Has there anything like that been going on? Well, it wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, <laughs> I was young at that bloody trend going into this year, but uh, nah, not, not really. No, I think um, Gary and Barry, are, I can't really speak for them, but I think they've focused on the ARG stuff and, um, and turned that into a big show. Um, and Marcus, I, I think he's, you know, he's, he's done his career. He's, he's, he's had his fun. Um, I think for him, he's sort of just looking to, to the next generation and, and sort of taking the Gary Rogers approach and, and just wants to help help uh, young boys come through. And I think that's really a, a very noble thing of him to do. Um, he's, he's had his time. You know, he's had his races. He's had his success, his glory and everything like that. And, and you know, it's only fair if, if he, you know, passed on the, the shroud, I guess, to, to a young bloke coming through. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 hard enough for us to make it, um, you know, without the names and also being young and, and without the money. So uh, when you have the same same drivers, you know, coming back through and, and recycling through, it, it makes it even harder taking up seats. So it's um, yeah, I, I, I yeah can't speak for Marcus on if he's ever going to come back to racing. Um, from the things I've I've read and, and heard, I don't think uh, uh, supercars 
is probably on the card for him. Um, and for definitely this year, I don't think DRM's doing a wild card. They may be doing one. They may just do it last week, special or something like that. But um, yeah, for now, def- yeah, definitely not. That's all right. That's all right. Well, look, like you said, you want to try and win the championship in the Trans Am Series this year. After that, what are the plans for next season? Um, well, we're, we're working on a few things. And um, that's, as I said before, I just got to trust Gary and Barry and, and Marcus and see where they all lead it to. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm just, you know, rolling with the punches, sit down sharp, roll with them, and, um, and just enjoying the ride. So, yeah, so, so Gary, Barry, Marcus, they're sort of taking over the, uh, the, I guess you could say, the business side of, of the racing for me. And I'm just sort of there to, to go along with it and, and be the, the face of it. But um, also, you know, keep it under control, I guess. Um, you know, as much as the effort and work that everyone into it, I've, I've got to double it, um, obviously being the, the driver. And I've got to show to them that I, I am committed and, and working for it. Um, but yeah, so for, for next season, uh, definitely Trans Am. Um, S5000, we're, we're talking through at the moment. And um, yeah, we'll talk about the many anything else that hops up in the future. You know, I may as well go for triple duties in 2021, uh, in 2022, sorry. Um, just keep, you know, building up, I guess. Just show, show them diverse drive. I think that's the biggest thing nowadays is, is not focus on one car. And I mean, you need to focus on the one championship and, and go well on that. Uh, it's definitely a thing. But um, I think you also need to, to branch out and, and in, in this, you know, modern day market where there's... Um, so many different categories popping up around the place and so many different disciplines of racing and, and you know, everyone's sort of getting to that point where it's, it's so hard to make it now without any money. You need you need either corporate backing or or um, the rich dad backing. So it's um it's a it's a hard one to, to, to do. So for me I've I've taken a bit of an alternative strategy, um and, and just trying to hop in anything that, that comes up and then, you know, drive the race car and hopefully go well on it. And so far so good. Uh, but yeah, we'll keep chipping away at it. Next season, just see what happens. I don't think, you know, plan, plans aren't, well, the best plans are generally made the week out. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll um, yeah, hopefully be able to announce something soon of something big. But, um, yeah, for now, it's just sort of keep going with what we're doing and, and just see where it takes us. That's awesome. And, Nathan, just before we let you go, one of the things we like to do here on the podium is when we get a driver on, we ask them about what advice they'd have for kids coming up through motorsport, obviously you're still very young, only 18. However, as you've mentioned already, you've got lots of experience with learning from some very experienced names in the motorsport world. What advice would you be giving kids working their way up through the ranks in karting? Um, the biggest thing I've definitely learned is, um, I think to summarise it all, is, is if you're a young bloke coming through the ranks, just, you know, you've got two, three years, set yourself a, a real short-term goal and and torture yourself those two, three years to, to really work hard and, and to really give it a crack. And if it doesn't work out, then at least you can say that you've, you've done as much as you can. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people say they're working hard and, and you know, reflect back on it in years to come and, and say, oh, I should have done this, should have done that. And, and you, you know, you're only going to um, get as far as the contacts you have and, and meeting people as well. Networking is the biggest thing um, to, to do. Um, you know, just talk to everyone you meet, any team owners you meet, talk to them, ask them for advice on how to make it. Um, even other drivers, you know, if, if someone, if a young bloke comes to me and asks, um, have you got any advice, how would you make it? Then I'd 110%, you know, try and share any wisdom. I have very limited wisdom, but I'll try and share any of it. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, networking and, and just, you know, 
just be careful with um with the finances, I guess. So it's um it's such a hard world and and you know, you can easily get burnt by it and, and you know, think twice before you act is um is probably another one. So there's, there's a, a million things that could probably go on for about an hour with, with different bits of advice I've learnt that um yeah, it's it's a complete package world. So you need to really um to really yeah, break through I guess it's it's a it's a very generic question and a very hard one to answer. That's all right. That's all right. Well, you've done a very good job answering it there. Like you said, still very early on in your career, and I'm sure plenty of highlights still to come. Nathan Hearn, thanks so much for joining us on the podium. All the very best for the remainder of the motorsport season. Cheers. Thank you for that. No, cheers. Thanks for having me. Nathan Hearn there joining us on the podium, and I'm sure we're going to be hearing plenty about him in the upcoming motorsport seasons. Right after this, we're going to wrap things up with the Podium of the Week. Yes, it's time to wrap things up now with the Podium of the Week. And for anyone new to this, welcome. What we do here is we celebrate three performances from the motorsport world. And we do it in a 3-2-1 format. Position number three... Position number three goes to a MotoGP rider that announced his retirement at the end of season 2020. However, it has just been announced that he's going to be making his return to the MotoGP World Championship for the next three races with the Yamaha SRT team. It is Cal Crutchlow. And Cal, of course, has been working very closely with the Yamaha team in a test rider role in season 2021. And it's awesome to see him back in the main game. So he gets position number three on the podium of the week. And position number two on the podium of the week, speaking of comebacks, this guy's had an awesome comeback over the past year. He's gone from competing in Formula One to moving over to America, where he now competes in the IndyCar series. It's Romain Grosjean. And what a season it's been for him. He's already had two top five results from the very few races he has done. And just recently got to test an IndyCar on an oval track for the first time and very impressive lap times as well in that test session. And from that, he is now going to be making his debut in an IndyCar race on an oval in the next few weeks at the track formerly known as Gateway. So awesome stuff there from Romain Grosjean, position number two on the podium of the week. And position number one on the podium of the week, we are going to give it to an Australian. He's actually been on the podium before. He is an awesome guy. He, of course, many motorsport fans would know him from his time commentating the V8 Supercar Championship season back in the day. However, now he's commentating the IndyCar Championship for NBC Sports in America and he's currently over in Tokyo for the Games coverage where he's going to be calling the 100 and 200 metre athletics finals events. So Lee Diffie... For all the awesome stuff that he's been doing, he gets position number one on the podium of the week. And that's about it for this edition of the show. Until next time, it's bye for now and thanks for joining us on the podium.